Good morning, afternoon, evening, night, whenever the time it may be that you're listening to this brand new episode of the Ski Rex Media Podcast, or at least it's brand new if you have not listened to it before. If you're listening to it again, then welcome back, and I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, of course, am Tim from Ski Rex Media, and today I'm not going to waste any time. Let's get into things. As we do here first each and every time, let's talk about Whaleback Mountain, partner of mine, bunch of friends over there, and now they are also my employer. Yes, not only are they partnered with Ski Rex Media, we we pump each other's tires as much as we can, but I've been doing lifty shifts there. Be on the lookout for some new content around my moonlighting as a lifty a couple nights a week, couple afternoons a week over there at Whaleback Mountain. So if you're ever at Whaleback Mountain on a Tuesday or Wednesday, take a look at one of the lifts. You might see me. Say hello. Say hi. Shoot, I might even have stickers on me so you can ask for those. In any case, if you don't know about Whaleback Mountain, head on over to Whaleback Mountain in Enfield, New Hampshire. You can find them at whaleback.com and also at Enfield, New Hampshire off exit 16 on I-89. Yes, it is super accessible. One of the most accessible ski areas that I've ever seen from the highway. It is on the highway and they have everything you want in a small package. If you want groom stuff, they have groom stuff. You want natural, they have natural. They have day skiing. They have night skiing. They could teach you how to do it. They have rentals. They have a terrain park. They have a really cool old double chairlift that takes you to the top, and you have views in every which way. You could see all the great mountains of the White Mountains. You can look to the west and see Killington. If you look around the trees in the right place, you could see Okemo on a sunny day. It's got views. It's got skiing. It's got snowboarding and it's got great lifts and great people friends of mine over there love it whaleback mountain whaleback.com check them out also if you need a set of skis or a snowboard and you want them to be super custom check out saint custom skis and snowboards out of gorham new hampshire saintskis.com they make them completely custom they will customize your length your width your rocker your camber your edges your graphics your swear words your naughty pictures on it whatever you want my boys kj and his dad kevin will make it and put it on a set of skis a snowboard they will do it for you and they will get it done and they you will be you will have your just very own unique set of skis that nobody else in the world has they could be a conversation piece they could be an art piece shoot on kj's episode of the podcast we talked about restoring old skis as art pieces you talk to kj he'll tell you what he can and can't do saintskis.com saint custom skis and snowboards at gorham new hampshire if you want something completely custom in your own go ahead and check them out now as i said we're going to get into this one quick so let's get on with the show here at Ski Rex Media, I've been talking to people who run these mountains in New Hampshire. John was John Hunt was on the program again. Tim Smith has been on the program. Sean Taylor from up there at uh, King Pine, the assistant GM, he was up there. So we're gonna keep going with that. And today we are at Gunstock with Tom Day. Tom, how you doing? I'm great, great. Glad you guys are here. Thank you for bringing all the snow that you brought in with you last night. It's uh, worked out pretty well for us. It really has. This is the day, for those who are listening in the future, this is the day that will now be infamous for this season because the the, the New England winter has just been garbage, uh, to put it bluntly. And now we're up to what? What do you guys got here? Six, seven, eight? Yeah, we'll probably up to eight. It's still snowing. We're expected. They they said there was going to be anywhere from eight to ten inches. So um, we're hoping that it goes to the ten-inch side. Absolutely. And let me tell you, with what you have now, this Melvin skis amazingly. Like, the only reason I stopped is because the knee said, no more. 
like the knee said stop and i was like all right stop but there's still plenty like there's a good amount of people obviously some of them were calling out or went to school late because i saw a few open parking spots i'm like oh yeah you got caught trying to call out but you have a good amount of folks but there's still a ton of snow out there like is this a common thing for this place well, I mean, it's it's Friday. I know a lot of the local schools got uh, you know, canceled because of the snow. I know there was a work program for some of the schools, so we knew some of the kids were going to show up. Mm. But we generally have a good turnout on Fridays. And with our night skiing Tuesday through Saturday, uh, we, we, do, we do a pretty heavy night skiing business. And we have a program called an outreach program. There's about 3,500 school kids in that that are spread out between the days. So... The night business is quite heavy, and the midweek business with the kids is heavy. So it's 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 always pretty reasonable midweek. Yeah, and you, you do a lot with the children too. I think that's something I've seen that's very common as the places I tour, at least lately. Like even with the skiway well back here, King Planet, wherever it is, there's a lot of kids, and this seems to be the safe. Yeah, I mean, we think obviously in the business you need to keep kids introduced and interested in the sport. It gets to be expensive, so. By offering some of the programs that we have with those all those school kids, we know that we're getting them in here. They've got an opportunity to ski. We give them, they get four lessons. They get four rentals. They get a chance to ski. Get introduced to the sport. If they like it, great. We've we've created a new skier. If they really? don't, they've gone out and had some time, and they've gotten out from you know not being in the basement playing video games. Absolutely, which is always the greatest thing. I mean, okay, have your phone on you, take pictures, fine, but get off those games, man. Just get outside. It's so much more fun. So before we get into much more into that, let's get into you now. Everybody's different. You know, we talk to, you know, the different people who run the mountains with the different titles, which are all similar but different. Um, where, and you just said 45 years in the biz, um, how did you get into it and then how did you end up here? I actually got for it. I went to Plymouth State College. I have, I graduated with a degree in elementary education. I work construction for this. I lived in Plymouth at the time. I moved there from from uh, Londonderry, New Hampshire. Sure. And then I went to work at Waterville as a lift attendant, and uh, I would, did that for four days. And they were working on Sunnyside Lift had been struck by lightning and burned down. Awesome. And after four days, I walked down and I saw this uh, Swiss engineer named Fritz Schmutz who built all this, the lifts that were there at the time. And I said, um, "Hey, do you need any help?" And he pointed over to this skitter that they were using. He said, "Can you drive that?" I said, "Absolutely." Never seen one before. Never driven one before. Ah, but uh, <laughs> I figured out how to start it, and uh, then I started working with them. I finished building that lift, and then I started that lift maintenance. I worked on lift maintenance for about six years. Took over as lift maintenance supervisor in that time frame. We built three lifts ourselves there because back in the day, you were dumb enough to do that yourselves and sure. hire somebody. And, um, and then I became a lift operations manager for three more years, then mountain manager for 12 years, and then the GM for th- 13 years. Oh, wow. And I retired in 2010 from there. Nice. Hey, you retired and ended up here. Well, yeah, I, I, did a bunch of, <laughs> I did a bunch of other things in between um, because I wanted to see if I could do something other than the ski business. So I got involved in a manufacturing business in Rhode Island and took three years off and then got involved with developing the... Welcome centers on Route 93 by the liquor stores. Sure. I got involved with that with two of the principals, uh, Alex Ray and Rusty McClair, two businessmen from, from New Hampshire, and we did that for 18 months, got that up and running, uh, staffed it, and then that was my job was done, and I went back. I have a condo in Park City and went back out there, and then three years later, I got contacted by a couple of the guys on the commission here that I knew, and uh, a, uh, the existing GM was going to be retiring, and so they said, you want to come back, try this, and 
I'd always been interested in this area, and uh, it's a beautiful part of the New Hampshire. Yeah. Totally. So I uh, I said, sure. So I got here in January 15th of 2020, and COVID hit March 15th of 2020. Yep. So that <laughs> adjusted uh, the whole way of uh, you were doing things, and mm-hmm. you had to, you know, basically furlough half of our staff and yeah. try to adjust how we went into the winter, and then everybody that's in the business knows what winter was like. It was a different it, world. It was a whole other world, and such a great way to make your- Make your comeback with a nice challenge like that, huh? Yeah, oh well, yeah. It was uh, I, I questioned a lot of that when that happened. <laughs> That's kind of awesome. Now, just just uh, not to talk about Waterville too much because this is Tom and Gunstock show today. But I have now talked to so many people who have come through there. Is there something to that? I just realized as you were saying it now, but like I've talked to so many people who have come in or out of there over like the last thirty years. It's ridiculous. You know, I think it was just, it was it was close to Plymouth State. I think a lot of people went to Plymouth State. I know there were some guys at Loon that went to Plymouth State that are management positions there now. So I think that's probably what happened. And I happened to find a home there and I enjoyed it. And I had a lot a lot of opportunity to develop. And Booth Creek Ski Holdings bought it while I was the mountain manager before I became the GM. And they had owned, they, at that time, they were one of the newer conglomerates. So, they, you know, Loon, Cranmore, Waterville, um, uh, Grand Targhee, Big mm-hmm. Bear, North Star and Sierra in California. So I learned a lot from them. They were a great management group, and, and uh, they taught us a lot about managing ski business, sure. using statistics and data rather than saying, okay, parking lot six is full at 9.15, so we're going to have a busy day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it became more of a more of a statistical thing. So I think it's just that I think a lot of people that were skiers decided to go to Plymouth State and yeah. end up, ended up working in different skiers. Very interesting to me because... I mean, I like Waterville. I only got there for the first time last year. Uh, Tim Smith, who runs the place now. What do you think of Tim then in in, in that mountain? Good, not good? No, uh, he's, doing, he's doing a great job. In fact, I'm going to see him Saturday night. There's a dinner uh, up at Mount Washington Saturday night. Excellent. He's sitting at the table with me. Yeah, he's a good guy. Oh, he's totally good. We're all, this this whole business together, you know everybody in the business. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I've been doing it a long time. Sure. All GMs know each other. If you've got a, you know, if you've got a cat that's down and you need your part, you call someone that runs the same cats as we do. If you've got a lift problem and you've got a part that's on back order, you contact another one of the resorts and they'll immediately send send somebody up to pick stuff up. So it's a very tight business. We're all competitive, mm. but we're all understanding that it's basically you have 13 weeks to make money. Sure, and so you need to make sure that you all work together to make it happen. So it's it's a great it's a great business to be in because as competitive as we all are, we'll all help each other with anything that that comes up that needs help. And I, I like that you brought that up because I brought up you know similar idea. Like again, I was just picking on Tim. He does a great job, and, and I love him. He has a ton of experience and a lot of great stories too. But you know, I've said it is you know obviously you want your share, they want their share. This one was this share, everybody, but. Again, everybody knows everybody. Everybody helps everybody, and everybody. There's just this camaraderie, especially even. It doesn't matter the level. Like all the GMs, and again, if your title is a little different, then so be it. But all basically that top person. It, it, it's all very friendly business. It, that that's what skiing is, and I think that's what it should be. I think. Oh yeah, I mean it, it is. I mean it's a it's a weird business, and yeah. You know, Mother Nature is your ultimate boss, and we're nothing but snow farmers. Yeah. We grow it, we groom it, and then when the weather treats us wrong, we grow more of it, and we groom it again. So we all realize that, and, and we all realize that every day that there's a mechanical problem with one of your lifts or your snowmaking plant or a cat, there's money that you're losing, and everybody knows that. And yeah. no matter, like I said, no matter what's going on, everyone's willing to help everybody else out. Sure. Absolutely. And I love that, and that's the way it should be. Now, Gunstock is interesting. Um 
in again, everybody helps everybody out, and everybody's run a little different. Again, Whaleback, my friends, partners in Whaleback, that nonprofit, that's the board. Now, I am going to ask you about all the stuff that happened during the summer because I've had people ask me to ask you since they knew I was coming. They're like, can you get someone who was on ground level for that to talk? I was like, I'll get you the ground level if you want. So we'll talk about that. But what, what what's the model here? Because there is the there is a board as well. And just, just a quick overview of that. Well, it's I it, think it's, it's a it's not that quick, but anyway, no, by all means, I'm saying I'm, it's there's five commissioners, sure, and the commissioners are supposed to have a background in either hospitality, finance, or a ski area background. Okay. Are they and the and the way that the that the bylaws are written or the documents are written that that's the parameters for it. And the five commissioners are um, appointed by. These eighteen delegates, which are House of Representative members in Belknap County, they appoint cool. they appoint the commissioners. Cool. And the commissioners, the commissioner's job is supposed to be, and it was established in nineteen fifty nine, to keep politics out of the ski area. Okay. That's why the commission is supposed to be there. They deal with the delegation. We meet once a month. They make suggestions to us about operations or what do you want to do, what are you looking forward for master planning or what do you need to do to make things work better? And it's more of a it's more of a governance to that they ask us what we need, but generally we explain to them what's going on. We go through our financials, sure. and that's that's how it works. Mm, okay, and and that's very that's unique as far as I know. I don't think I've ever heard of another mountain that runs like that at all. No, it's unique. Uh, we're on county property, but we're a private for-profit business. Sure. So that's that's an odd kind of dichotomy because. You know, we are in county property, so there's a lot of different opinions on what how we should operate and what we should do. We're very financially successful, so mm. that usually quiets people down. Yeah, I can imagine. As long as you're in fear of the black, no questions are asked. That's beautiful. And you were saying last night you you've done pretty well with that staying in the black, yes? Yeah, we've we've it's it's we do well. We we you know our business model is we limit ticket sales, we don't do any discounting. So it's been able it's enabled us to keep our Revenue strong, but be able to limit the ticket sales enough so that we're not um, overly crowded. Mm. And uh, that seems to be a popular decision because uh, we sell a lot of season passes. We sell mm. selling out. We generally sell out um, for the weekend on a Friday afternoon. We'll sell out for a Saturday. On a Saturday afternoon, we'll sell out for Sunday. Right. So that's that's worked out well. And um, it it seems to we draw from. We have, you know, because of where we are, it's a unique situation. We draw from the Portsmouth Seacoast area. We draw from Central, New Hampshire, Manchester, Concord. And then, of course, we get the Massachusetts folks. And with Lake Winnipesaukee in our backyard, there's a lot of uh, summer homes that people turn into ski homes. So yeah. we get that demographic coming up here, too. There's a good race program here. The kids are very successful in the race teams. And so it, it kind of... It kind of works out well. It's a good intermediate mountain, and there's a lot of families. There's, like any skier, there's multiple generations of skiers here. Mm, and that's always one of my favorite things when you see, you know, grandparents, parents, kids, and then great-grandkids, if 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 if, if that applies. And out here, it seems the same. Man. You just see people running all over the place. It's wonderful. Yeah, it works. It works out. It works out well for us. It's uh, like I said, it's a, it's a, we we get a good turnout. It's a steady midweek business, and the weekend business is strong. So, and and the night skiing is very popular. In fact, I really think during COVID, I think people rediscovered night skiing. Oh, yeah. and so we have you know we have twenty two trails and four lifts open. Well, mm. if you count the carpet, six lifts open. Sure. Um, so people get out here and they get to to ski around. We get a lot of the we get a lot of the college kids from UNH because it's fifty minutes away, and sure. they come up here after classes and, and ski and ride. 
So uh, it's a it's a unique little spot. It really is. And, you know, since you brought up night skiing, I have to say, I've made this joke a couple of times. I was talking to Jennifer back and made this stupid joke about, you know, about the night skiing. But just just for the listeners here, I, you know, I came back from the inn for last night's get together for the media event. And I look and it's just lights all over the place. And I said it. I was like, God, I make the stupid joke. Like, you can see this place from the space station. <laughs> but I pulled up here. I was like, holy smokes, you might actually be able to. And at 23 trails, that's almost 50%, isn't it? Yeah, well, yes. We have 48 trails with glades and all that type of stuff. There you yeah. go. So, it's, yeah, there's there's a lot of skiing. There's There really is. It's surprise. Most people get surprised by how much skiing there is for, at night. We sell we sell out 600 on um, Friday and Saturday nights. And we sell out, you know, prior to, you know, even when night skiing ticket starts at 4 o'clock. So, sure. And it, it, like as I said, it got way more popular during the pandemic. Mm. We thought it would dr- die off, but it did. And they still come and come ski. That's very interesting. Like, but hey, if they're coming out and getting it, that that's fine because that was just a weird couple of years, and uh, you know, nobody was it, skiing was is a social sport as we all know, and that just killed it. And uh, I'm sure that put a cramp on you all here as well. Well, I mean, your lodge had to be at 50 percent capacity. Your mazes had to have ghost mazes in between every line because you couldn't have. You know, I had to have social distancing, so sure. that limited how much you could actually, you know, put on a lift. So if you got a quad and someone didn't come with the people they were standing next to, they had to ride two on the quad instead of four. There's nothing more painful to a ski area operator than seeing two people on a chair that's supposed to hold four. Absolutely, I'm sure. Oh, I get, I get that's just got to be like, oh, God, son of a mother chicken. Right, exactly. It's brutal, man. It was brutal, and it was brutal. Now, speaking of brutality, like I said, we're going to talk about this because I was asked to talk about this. Last year, was it last summer? It was last summer. It was last summer. Gunstock made the news here. I, I thought it was just sticking in most regionally, but there were it made national news in some places. There were people in California talking about this. There was, a, there was a big to-do, and I'm sure you can explain it better than I can. Because I saw it, and I was like, wait, what, what, what's going on? And then I, I kind of lost track of it. So I'll let you explain the drama, we'll say. Um, well, we talked about the commission was the five-member board that basically I considered to be a board of director, even though uh, uh, some of the other commissioners that are no longer here didn't like that term. And um, they are appointed by uh, the Belknap County delegation, which are representatives. So they appointed two two people to the board that were new and they were um, very vocal about operations and how we ran things. As I said, we're very financially successful. Sure. So um, there was always this kind of question mark and the meetings that we used to have, the monthly meetings would normally go from 6.30 to 8 o'clock. Sure. Um, we would have, you know, good discussions about how we were doing. We do our financials. We talk about capital in progress. We talk about all these things. They'd ask questions. We'd be done. Yeah. Public comment. There'd be six people that would come to the meeting because no one was that interested in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got these two new uh, members who were very um, involved or trying to involve themselves in the operations and questioning a lot of things that we did and questioning the financials and and about something that they knew nothing about. And it became with with about after about four months, it became. The meetings became contentious. They'd go on to 11 o'clock at night. Mm. It'd be a lot of um, um, animated, robust dialogue between me and the uh, two members of the commission that, that were trying to uh, 
get involved in the operations when they knew nothing about it. Sure. And so it got to the point where myself and my senior team were going to these meetings and basically having robust dialogue to say, no, that's a bad idea. No, that doesn't work. And what's your problem? We make a ton of money. We don't, we, there used to be a revenue anticipation note that you borrow from the county every year prior to my getting here. They borrowed between 650000 and a million dollars. Yeah. My second year here, we we didn't borrow anymore because we made enough money to run the place. So yeah. we just said, "Hey, we're making money. We don't borrow any money. We got no debt. We're paying our capital. We're paying all of our capital is coming out of cash." Um, yeah. Let's let's uh, why is the problem? So it got to the point where there was so much involvement that we had all discussed as a senior team, and that was a that took a lot of dedication for the senior team members because uh, two of our senior team members had worked here thirty years each. And both is the same household, and our HR director had worked here 11 years. So the, we went to a meeting. Um, the meeting had, we said, let's see how it goes at this meeting. Uh, let's see whether or not we s- still think we ought to be here or not. And we got into the meeting. We always used to be sitting at one table together sure. in a round table, and we'd sit up and discuss things. And they felt that they weren't, they, there was too much robust dialogue going on. So they decided that we would sit in the audience, and if we wanted to speak, we'd raise our hand and ask to speak, sure. rather than just sitting at a table as part of a senior team working with the board of directors. Sure. So when we walked in and saw that we were going to be placed in the uh, the audience, and at that time, like I said, there used to be six people coming to the meetings. Mm. There was 60 or 70 or 80 people would come to every meeting wow. because there was local people that were very supportive of Gunstock, seeing what was going on and coming in, and then... During the public comment period, they were very vocal about the way the meetings were being held and the interference they were getting. Sure. So when we saw that we were sitting in the audience, um, I stood up and said, I'm resigning. Mm -hmm. I'll give you two weeks' notice. And my CFO stood up and my director of resource services stood up and my self-sports director stood up Mm -hmm. and our facilities director stood up and our marketing director stood up and we said we're all quit and we walked out. That's it. And um, the next day, we said we'd give two weeks to the sheriff's department was here. And they had us, and we know all the all the sheriffs and stuff. And sure. They said, "Hey, we have to be here." So we cleaned out our offices and left, and uh, and they uh, they got to run the place for eight days. Yeah, <laughs> they decided that maybe that wasn't working out quite the way they thought. Mm-hmm. I think they felt that they could replace all of us by calling you know one eight hundred scarier operators, mm-hmm. and they found out that there's just not a lot of those out there. No, not at all. So we had a huge event called Soul Fest coming on. The insurance company that insures the ski area said to them, "You need to have a leadership team in place." Um, the the lift the lift ride that we do for um, scenic store, they the they lift mechanics shut that down. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the other summer business, the other guys, the up the existing staff closed all those because we felt it was not safe without a leadership team in place. And um, after I think eight days. Um, and our thing was these two commissioners go, we don't come back. Yep. And after eight days, they had a meeting here in the in the base lodge, and 250 people showed up at the meeting. Wow! To ask for the removal of these two guys, and it was quite a loud screaming, yelling. 250 people banging on the walls. Holy crap! About working stuff. About leaving, and they had the two. One of them resigned. The other one resigned later, and um, we came back to work because those two people resigned. Excellent. And that that's the story that was in the paper. So for those who said, hey, get the story, that was the story. Again, I lost track of it a little bit in the papers because I was just, well, let's just say I was a little bit of a 
little, I was a little bit of a jerk back in the day. I'm not going to lie about it. So when I saw people say, hey, we're done and walk, I was like, bravo. Like, I, I totally respect that. I get that. And uh, so that's kind of where I left with it. But there you go. So, but no bad blood, though. You all came back and everything obviously is running great, you would see. Yeah, I mean, it's funny to us. We still have people. I was riding up a lift this morning. He said, hey, you're Tom Day, right? Yeah. So how you doing? Good. How you doing? And he said, glad to see you guys came back. That was crazy or nice to see you back. It seems like it was like two years ago to us. It was yep. long ago. And, and you're in the middle of running a ski area. And when you're running a ski area, every day is, you know, you just, and besides the fact that, that we have night operations, so yeah. running until nine o'clock at night, it just seems like it was such a long time ago. And it's nice. The biggest part I think that should be emphasized is the involvement of the public that lived in the area that skied here, whether they live here or they are season pass holders from, from some other town or other state, sure. their support was incredible. Yeah. And and so uh, the delegates, the representatives that, that didn't support us, uh, they, two of them got primaried out and three other ones got voted out during the election. So sure. it changed the whole uh, dynamics of the of the um, the kind of the political climate here, and now the delegation works together because the other guys had str- slashed the sheriff's department and taken the nursing home down to fifty yeah. percent capacity. So it it changed the whole dynamics of this. The the public are the ones that came out and made the change. Yeah, and that's awesome. Like uh, for those who don't know, Gunstock isn't part of one of the big corporations Correct. that are out there so you as many independent places do it's built around its community or its community is built around it or however you want to put it and here you can see it just skiing out here for a couple of days you can see it but you know when they all come together and be like hey don't ruin our place put our people back please it, which is very simplified i know but that's a beautiful thing i mean that's pretty much what it was yeah it was save gunstock don't ruin gunstock gunstock's what it is we've We've got multiple generations skiing here. Totally. Go, don't don't mess with it. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Hey, it's, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. Well, there you go, everybody. There's that part. And that's, now we got that out of the way. The drop. We're going to get back to the fun stuff. Let's get back to the fun stuff. Um. So, Gunstock, beautiful mountain. Almost, about 50 trails, just shy of 50 trails. You said 44. Um. And Nordic. Yes? Yeah, we have 22 kilometers of Nordic. 22 kilometers of Nordic. And you get... With this, I'm sure this new snowstorm, you got to be about opening that up too. Yeah, they're out rolling it right now. We actually make snow down there too. We have a big fan gun and we make huge piles of snow, and then we spread it with a manure spreader with a cat. Oh, there behind. you go. So we can get open when a lot of people can. Of course, this year, you know, the weather hasn't been that conducive totally. to making snow, so it's we struggled down there to get it open. But we're open now, and I think we've got. I think as of today, we'll probably have six or seven kilometers open. I know they're grooming the rest of it, so right. it's a it's a big part of it. It's a it's a nice it's a nice thing to have. Yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful day for that, too. I assume my cross-country is limited. What do I know? I don't know nothing. That's why I talk to people like you, because I don't know what I'm talking about. Everybody knows that. Um, now, so what I saw down there, I've seen, you know, where the trails are and stuff. This is something I found unique. Now, places, some mountains will let you park your van in their parking lot. You have a campground down there. Yeah, we have 265 sites in our campground. Yeah, and now, is that year-round? There is year round. We have uh, five, four cabins that we rent year round that you can, you know, use. Sure. And then there's also the seasonal. We have seasonal hookups that they can be there year round. They they have power. They have to. Use, they'll use the bathhouses. But sure. you know, we have a lot of RVs that stay here year round. And that was what I was getting at. We were talking a couple of us in the media group that was here 
um, Skirex media followers know this. This was the media week, and we were at King Pine, and we're here, and uh, we were talking about you know staying in parking lots. Where can you do it? You know, we were talking. I think Bolton lets you. I think Magic lets you. That I can just think of offhand. Well, driving in, I'm like, holy smoke! You can't. They don't just let you. They they're basically asking for it. Right. That's that's amazing. Have you seen? Um, and one of the questions I had about that is, have you seen a an increase in use there as the last couple of years? You know, the van life and everything that trend that got that exploded during the pandemic, like many outdoor things did. Did is that part of your thing too? Well, I mean. We didn't see. We saw a little bit more of it during the pandemic, but no, not not a whole lot more. We'll see a couple of people on the weekends, but not nothing, nothing bigger. And this the seasonal people that stay there year round. They're pretty much been there for a while, and it's their it's their ski house. Yeah. They're all they're all season pass holders, and sure. they, they you know they they can most of them can walk up here from from those lots. So yeah. that's nice. And as I said, the bathhouses the year round. They're heated floors, so it's it's comfortable enough. And but most people that do that are. RV people or camping people, they're used to that kind of stuff. Absolutely. And, and and the thing is, like, now, from people from the outside, you know, they see one ski mountain has got to be the same as the next. It's got to be the same as it. And it's not. Everything in its own little unique whatever it is, whether it's differences in terrain, whatever it is. And that was something I don't think I've ever seen before. Yeah, I don't know how many other ski areas have, have campgrounds hooked to them. In fact, the campground was here before the ski area was. Oh, was it? Yeah, it's been, it's been there for, I don't know exactly the date, but we were talking about that the other day with one of our long-term employees. Huh. So, and, 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 let's, let's get into the history lesson. How do you go from a campground to a ski mountain, if you know? if that's It's just, correct. well, it developed. Yeah, I mean, it's on our website. It's a pretty interesting on the history of it, but they, the I call it the Civilian Conservation Corps, but it's a work program that, that did this. They built... They built the lodge in 1938. They were skiing on the backside of the mountain prior to that, mm-hmm. and uh, then they started this side of the mountain in 38. They all the timbers that are here in that lodge, and you've seen the lodge; it's an it's an adorable lodge. Oh, it's amazing! Um, all the timbers were cut on site. Um, all the stonework in the in the pillars and also in the fireplaces were quarried here. So they had, you know, that was when they were trying to put give people jobs and put them to work. They yep. built that. They built the ski jumps that, that are no longer used down in the campground, and I, I think the campground was part of that whole process because that's where they were staying. Sure. So um, so there's a, a there's a long history of skiing here. You know, we had Penny Batu grew up here. She was, uh, in 1960 Olympics, she was the first uh, woman to win the downhill in the Olympics. Totally. And um, and then she won, she got a silver in the downhill, a silver in the GS in the 60s. She's still here. She's a great person. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's a there's a long history here, and, and there's uh, a lot of interesting people that have come through here. Absolutely, a lot of history. We're talking close to what's that? Got to be eighty years. Yeah. That that's amazing. Like when you have places that are celebrating six, fifty, sixty years, and you can come to a place that's like eighty. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Are we ready to go another eighty? Absolutely. Why not? A lot of people get outside and enjoy. You know, people want to be outside. And like once again, I think that the pandemic really rekindled people's interest in being outdoors because sure. you know, it's if you're going to live in New England. You're either going to be a snowmobile or a skier, and, and skiing it's a lot more consistent because snowmobiles don't have snowmaking on their trails. That's so, true. And in winter like this, you can't. So um, it's it's a great thing for kids, like we talked about. It's great for the adults. Usually, adults, yeah, they you know at a certain age they have a lot of car- seat time with the kids in the car, and then at you know then they have seat time with them in the lifts, and then they hit that certain age where they don't want anything to do with their parents anymore. They go off skiing, and then they have seat time <laughs> only in the car. So. <laughs> it's it's interesting to watch that evolution also. It really is. And and again, speaking of kids, and I I bring this up about a couple of places uh, a couple of places every 
every run comes to the same place, so it's totally safe for your kids. You'll you'll always find them. Exactly. Yeah, everything. All the two, we were talking about that this morning. We were waiting for the ski group, and someone said, well, "I wonder where they went." I said, "Well, all the trails lead to the bottom, so we'll oh, yeah. we'll find them sooner or later." Yeah, that those that was us, by the way. Me and two of the other guys, uh, we all got separated. We got here either too early or too late. We're still not sure what it was, so we went up and took a couple runs. So I'm skiing with Tom, which is kind of a bummer, but I'll get you. So it's not like I live far, so I'll be back. But because I really enjoyed this place, I really did. This is my first time here the last two days. It was amazing. And it was more than I realized. I didn't know much about it. And I was saying this to Beck in, in Jennifer. I says, you know, not to sound like a jerk, but I, I hadn't heard a lot about the place. Like, I didn't know. And I mean, again, who am I to say, like, I, I, don't, I don't know everything. You know, I'm not trying to say it like that. I'm just trying to say I just didn't know. So I come down here and it. I guess you can say it's small, but it's geez, pretty big. I think. Yeah, it's you know it's, it's almost fourteen hundred foot vertical. So and the way that's laid out with the trails that go on the shoulders of the mountain, sure, they're longer trails than anyone thinks about. And there's yeah, there's much more pitch to it than a lot of think mm. think about. I think everybody thinks because it's kind of in central New Hampshire. Yeah, and you know it's not Waterville and it's not Loon on ninety three, and you're further north, and that you're in central New Hampshire by the lake. What is the place? Mm. So. um so I think there's a lot of people that are pleasantly surprised. Uh, I grew up in Maine, so I have some friends from Maine that come over here. They're Sugarloaf skiers. I grew up as a kid skiing at Sugarloaf. Sure. And um, they come over and they're like, oh, geez, you know, same thing. I didn't realize. And the view from the top of this mountain is spectacular. Spectacular. We, today, obviously it's snowy, so there's not much view, but that's cool. Snow is good. But yesterday, man, we could, you could see Mount Washington out there, and, and I'm not good at that. I can't name every single peak on the horizon. But man, the views and then the lake right there—that's just ridiculous. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, your mountain is gorgeous. Like, and, and I'll say that to anybody. Like, if you like a mountain that looks good, you like the views, you like the outdoors. Come here. Like, it's 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 pretty spectacular. It's very nice. Tons of stuff. What now? Again, I didn't get to ski with Todd. What would you suggest coming out here? What do you like? What's your favorite? Recoil is one of my favorite trails because it's a true New England trail. It's got a great fall line. It's got the twists in it. Yeah. It's it's that like that. And Flintlock is my other favorite trail because it's a long trail. It, it, it goes down the other shoulder and the side of the the left side of the mountain, skiers left. Totally. And, and the views of the lake from that trail are amazing. Mm. So those are my two favorite ones that on the mountain right now. Look. Nice. We took, I took a couple of the ladies down, both of them. Yeah. Well, Flintlock, top of Flintlock's not open, but we went down Recoil and I said, I got to take you my favorite trail. It's a New England-style trail. It curves. It's got a good fall line. It's narrow. And yeah. uh, they said, oh, my gosh, yeah, you're right. That's great. So it's got some uh, it's got some fun terrain. It really does. And, and there's plenty to go around. Like, come on down here. It, it, it is wonderful. I think before I let you go, I, I've been asking this as a goofy-ass question, straight up. I'm not even going to lie about it. But uh, as I've said, people, as you go up the ladder, you get an office, but they're not just doing one job. You might do this. You might do that. You know, some people like running, being a lifty for the day. Some people prefer to be operations. When you're not doing being the boss, which 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 job do you like to do? Flipping burgers, something. <laughs> well, I mean, I I was a, you know a mountain operations guy for twelve years. Mm. So I mean, I'm I'm yeah, and I think the biggest part, people do come to the ski area for the skiing and the riding so i'm i'm very interested in the mountain operation side of it but but if it's busy i'm in the cafeteria helping out you know emptying trash and doing that kind of stuff all of us gms do that you got to get out and help out in those weak spots when you have the crowding side of it you got to go out and do line control if there's a, on a lift when it gets busier it's a matter of just kind of i say i say i'm the general manager i generally manage 
generally. And and <laughs> and that's you you know you have good people around you that really you know do the work. Your front front line people are, are great. They they have to you know they deal with the guests all the time. So sure. it's it's just being around, pres being present and watching stuff and trying to help wherever you can. And so a lot of times, you know, you'll get the eye roll when you're trying to help with someone and, you know, and, and I get that. They're like, oh, gosh, what's he doing? <laughs> but but that's okay. I was, you know, like I said, I worked my way up. I was a lift attendant. I was a lift maintenance guy. I was, you know, I did it. I understand that. I used to roll my eyes at the GMs too. So it's, it's, <laughs> you expect that when you get the job as a GM, you know, there's a lot of eye rolling. Sometimes it's when they've turned away from you and you can feel their eyes rolling in the back yeah. of the head, but <laughs> but that's okay. It's expected. It doesn't bother me. I think it's kind of funny, actually. No, that, and that's really funny. It's really funny you put it that way. I, that's just always interests me because I've seen it. I, I've worked in the ski uh, industry before, and it, there's other industries, the same thing. You know, you're still helping out. You're still doing more, and that's a great thing. I just, it just for whatever reason, I've recently become fascinated into what each person's favorite thing to do like what's the one they would gravitate to so you know get, and again it, a lot of times it, like you said it's backgrounds operations guys go for operations uh you know people who somehow came up through the kitchen and the marketing they want to be back down in food and beverage or on ticket sales or whatever it is or even parking cars i think jeff hathaway of magic said he one of his favorite things to do is parking cars i think it was him i can't remember but yeah i i just think it's fascinating i right. know right yeah and i'm not you know i we have a great cfo I need strong financial people. I can. I know what we need to do for numbers. I know what we track the budgets. I know where we are, but I'm not the person that can do a spreadsheet because yep. that just glazes my eyes over. And I and I could put. I could take. I could na nap when I was reading to do a spreadsheet. So yeah, that's not. That's definitely not my strength. <laughs> no. Yeah, and there's places you want to stay the hell away. From exactly. Too. That's awesome. Well, dude, this is awesome. Like I said, I love your mountain. I'm going to be back. I can't say enough good things about it. Um, anybody come on down here. Uh, let's, let's plug, uh, website is, uh, gunstock.com. Gunstock.com. Very simple. Gunstock resort on the social medias. So you can check that out and I'm sure they have the phone number. Everybody still has the landline. Believe me. I don't know if you all have someone monitoring it. Yeah, we, it's kind of bored. Right. <laughs> but. And do remember everything here. We do sell out on Saturdays and Sundays. Um, so go online, buy your tickets, go online, reserve your, uh, ski school. Uh, go online, reserve your rentals. Everything can be done so that when you get here, you, it's, it's a it's a uh, unique experience. We got RFID cards, so once you get your ticket, you can reload them online. So it just makes it easier to get out of your car, walk to the thing. All of our parking lots are on one level, right up to the lift, so totally. you can easily access the lift without worrying about going on a shuttle. We don't do shuttles. We don't do anything like that. Everything's walking distance, so it makes yeah. it an easy experience. Oh, yeah, it totally is. Like, it is right there. Like, you spitting distance. Awesome. Come down, check it out. Like Tom said, make sure get in early that way because they're doing business here, man. And it's busy and you will not get your spot if you come trying to walk up because everybody else is already here and they beat you to it. Thank you, sir. I appreciate this. Thank you. Nice talking with you. Absolutely. And enjoy the rest of this snow day. Hopefully you'll get another one. I hope so, too. Excellent. Thank you, sir. And there you have it, our new friend, new Ski Rex media friend, Tom Day. Thank you to Tom Day and everyone down at Gunstock for that wonderful, wonderful day. couple days, actually, um, down there checking that place out for the media event. Hosted, or I shouldn't say hosted, obviously it was hosted by King Pine Ski Area and Gunstock uh, Mountain. 
but organized in part by Kathy Bennett Marketing and Kathy Bennett over there. Once again, I want to say thank you to Kathy. What she did and this event were made just everything so easy, especially for someone like me who had never done a media trip like this before. Set up so nice, and I got to visit two great places, in this case, Gunstock Mountain, and got to visit with Tom Day, who was a very awesome person and clearly knows his stuff. So thank you to everyone involved, and thank you to my new friends out there. Karen and Charlotte and Stephanie and Bob and Eric and everybody else who we met down there. Bart as well, uh, who skied with a couple times. We lost track of him. I lost track of him uh, during this Gunstock visit. We skied a, a few runs over at uh, King Pine, but I lost him down there in Gunstock uh, during the day. So shout out to him as well. And of course, Stuart Winchester, friend of Ski Rex Media, the uh, friend of mine, friend of the program, appear awesome. He was there for a good chunk of those days too. We had a lot of fun, all of us. So thank you to everyone involved in that. And thank you for listening to the Ski Rex Media Podcast. The Ski Rex Media Podcast, as you know, is available just about everywhere. So if you you didn't like where you were listening to it today check on another app and you might be able to find it google podcast apple podcast all that good stuff please uh follow share uh rate it where you can subscribe where you can sometimes subscribe and follow are used interchangeably depending on your app please make sure you rate too if you could i would appreciate it apple podcast there's been five star ratings that's pretty cool i appreciate that as well and don't forget to check out the programs on patreon on patreon you get early access to this program and i just debuted the darker side of ski rex media another podcast program that one is patreon exclusive and the patreon starts at a dollar a month there are three tiers one dollar ten dollars fifty dollars and they're free trials for all of them and each one is basically the same but then a little different too so check that out if you want to if you have if you want to actually know what i'm talking about there go ahead and check that out patreon.com slash ski rex media and then of course ski rex media on social media channels and you can email ski rex media at contact at skirexmedia.com. You can send in questions, queries, concerns, um, things you like, things you hate, things you'd like to see or hear, all that good stuff. I also have a YouTube channel. I'm still working on that. I've been working on that for years. I don't, I'm still not 100% sure what I'm doing it, but with it, but you can still listen to the podcast there if you want and some more new videos. Um, there is one from the King Pine trip. There's going to be one for the, from this Gunstock trip, and there's going to be one, at least one, from the Cannon Mountain trip, which we're going to talk about on a later podcast episode. I got to ski there for the first time. I got to ski there with Mario and Brian from the Highfalutin Ski Bomb podcast. They were skiing there for the first time. It was the first time we skied together. It was a lot of fun, and we're going to get together and talk about that in a future episode. Again, thank you for listening to the Ski Rex Media Podcast. I do appreciate it. Check the show notes for all the information I just rattled off. And have a good time out there, man. It's February is going to go by quick, and then March, and then April, and then the outside season is going to be done for those of us who don't know how to get up into the high country. Um, it's going to go fast, but then that means it just brings winter around. The next winter around just as fast, right? Right. Enjoy your day, evening, morning, whatever time of day, and I will see you out there, my friends. Thank you, and later. <laughs>